It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down Hey there folks, it's American Loser. My name's KP Burke. I am your host, at least I have been for the last three and a half years. Uh, but you guys know the deal by now. If it's your first episode, welcome. We're telling weird stories from American history. And if it's a, you know, you're a recurring member here, if you kind of hang out with us, welcome back. All right, happy to have you. With me as always, my Delphi dad. Say hello, Lawrence Patrick. Hello, Lawrence Patrick. And uh, yeah, it's good to be here, Kev. No, that's the old dad joke. But, dad, where uh, are yeah, we? Yeah, I know. We're at the Shared Universe studio in... Where the heck are we? Red Bank, New Jersey, Red the Bank, center Jersey. of the universe. Yeah, oddly enough, uh, we shouldn't give out the address, but let's just say it's named after a president. Um, also, Red behind Bank? the ones and twos, <laughs> the address of the street is actually named after. If we say that part, then people are going to figure out where we are. Uh, and then, okay. then the people who write me mean emails telling me that I got one tiny detail wrong, they can show up here and tell me that to my face. And then we're going to have to have concealed carry classes, all right? <laughs> behind the ones and twos, who else? You folks know him by now. You love him. He's uh he's honestly he, he's an integral part of the show. Aww. The big Kahuna. What's going on, man? Good to see you, buddy. Good to see you too. Didn't this is uh didn't I miss the last one? We missed you for the one because you were moving into a, a new location, yeah. right? You got your new studio up and running and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just got back from Tampa, so I want to say real quickly thank you to the good people of Tampa who came out to see me and my friend Lynn Coplets at Side Splitters. You gonna tell that story? Um, there's a couple good ones. There's a couple good ones. I, I'll probably, it, at some point, we're going to have to launch a side project, you and I, that I'll talk about where it's going to be- um, Patreon that, exclusive, maybe? <laughs> not exclusive, but I will say this. Um, the idea is uh, eventually my father's going to go back down to Florida, right? Where he's going to go be South Beach. Larry we'll get there eventually, yeah. So what we'll do in the meantime is instead of burning topics, we're going to bring on some of my friends and stuff. And we'll talk about weird stuff that we like from history. So that'll be called the Fireside Chats, I think. American Loser presents the Fireside Chats. Exactly. <laughs> we need a new- we you need a new theme song for that subset. Ooh, I know a musician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too, Chris Mad. Exactly. <laughs> uh, other people, I got to thank real quick again. Thank you so much to the club down at Side Splitters. Uh, the host all weekend drove me around. Really good guy, funny dude named David Wayne. Good human being. I liked him a lot. And thank you so much to Mike Calta, who uh, is uh, one of the radio gods down there in uh, Tampa. And um, he actually was kind enough to bring me on to the show. He wanted to bring me on for the Thursday. Had to bring. Uh, instead, they brought me on for the Monday. And he even said so to me, he goes, you are the first comedian in the history of this radio program to come on to promote shows that have already happened, that the <laughs> exposure on the radio can do nothing to help you with ticket sales. And yet he wanted to talk mostly about Loser. He really likes Loser. Um, and uh, so because of that, I want to welcome anybody who's listening to us now who found out about us from the Mike Calta show. Welcome. Welcome to the show, motherfuckers. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so. There were a couple of people that were like chiming in, I saw. I think either on the Facebook page or Instagram who were like commenting like, oh, I'm new to this. This is awesome. And I, I saw that after that. People dig it. Yeah, it's been yeah. fun. Uh, the response has always been great. We had that. We had the Sam Tripoli fans that have gotten on board, Bobby Kelly fans that have gotten on board. Everybody. What's not to love about this show? I I think he's right, oh, Dad. I, I, I can't argue right. with that. You've got the star, the big kahuna, and his <laughs> two stooges. There you go. KP and LP. Like, what's not to love? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man. You'll get a kick out of this one, too. Uh, pound for pound, the guy I think is probably the funniest human being 
that I've ever met. Naturally funny. Mm -hmm. uh, Herman Nasworth, good, good buddy of mine. Um, he came out, he did the show with me on Monday at Rain Dogs in uh, Jacksonville, and we had listeners show up. That was kind of cool. Was it a oh, lot of them? That... I won't say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you mean you had a listener show up? Uh, no, no. It was more than more than just one, thank God. But we had That's a couple, awesome. Yeah, we had some people show up who were uh, loser fans. We and made then, the uh, quorum. Oh, yeah. And my buddy, um, <laughs> let's just say, if this was still mid-pandemic, we'd, we'd have been at 25% capacity. You know, <laughs> uh, That's a 2019 sellout. But, uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but I did want to mention that real quick. Herman was saying, too, he listens to so many episodes of the show that he can actually tell when me and my father get pissed at each other on air. <laughs> We're not exactly Orange County choppers, but sometimes we do get annoyed with one yeah, another. Well. It, ha it, it happens. It's okay. But Difference, it is a differences of The opinion. real trick is knowing when I'm annoyed with you guys. That's <laughs> <laughs> when he boycotts the show for a week. Try and find that, Eric. That's <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll say that too, man. It means a lot to us. So if you're a new fan, welcome. If you're an old fan, we're grateful that you're here. It means a lot to us. Obviously, we had a lot going on with my Tampa run. Um, thank you to everybody who reached out with messages about Uncle Paulie. The fact that he meant a lot to you guys means even more to us. You have no idea. Absolutely. All right? So... That being said, we got some cool stuff to cover over here. But if you do want to support the show for as little as $3 a month, you can go ahead and join us over on the Patreon. It's American Loser Podcast, and we give you – you get three episodes a month for free. This is one of them, all right? And then you get the premium topics, all right? That's your fourth episode of the month. So if you get into a rhythm where you like listening to us on a Tuesday uh, and all of a sudden we're not there one Tuesday, just join the Patreon. Please. <laughs> join the Patreon. Help me. You don't have to whisper, Kev. Don't keep that a secret. This is my you can join the Patreon. <laughs> Are you tired of your normal boring podcast? Well, then you should subscribe to the American Loser Podcast on Patreon for three and five dollars a month. At literally the price of one large cold. The brew. price of one large <laughs> coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to dive in here now, man. But thank you guys so much for all the continued support. And uh, again, if you're brand new, welcome. Because I think this one's going to be the one that gets a lot of new people. And so I want to make sure that we're accommodating to them. Um, also, for the $5 more, we call you Honest <laughs> Abes. We call you Honest Abes on that. And I think it's worth mentioning, too, because he's going to come up in this story at some point, Dan. Yes, he is. Had you ever heard of this uh, strange phenomenon in American politics <laughs> before <laughs> I mentioned <laughs> it to you? I, I have, uh, you know, but... If to scratch a little deeper on this topic uh, for tonight's episode, uh, yeah, I found out a few things too. Well, it's scary because uh, to me, Americans – like when you talk about certain parts of American history, like, yeah, that was way back then. And then this one slowly creeps up and it's currently affecting us right now. And I'm a little bit upset about it. Um, Kahuna, do you believe in curses? Uh, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. bit. A little bit. You have to have some uh, – do you believe in harbingers of doom? Yeah. <laughs> Play the heavy music. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, Do you believe like, in spectral locomotives? <laughs> <laughs> I can't answer that without being laughed at properly. So, uh, How about history repeating itself? How about chaos theory? Yes. Yeah. Well. Oh, God. What about anything my friend Andy Highroller has ever said on this show? Oh, 100%. He's, he's a nut job, but we love him. Um, that brings us to today's very weird story from American history. We're going to present the info currently available for this phenomenon that is known simply as the Curse of Tippecanoe. So, Cahoons, you were with us, I believe, when we did both episodes of um, the our epic on the War of 1812. That was uh, when I said I, – I ran my mouth. Yes. And I said, uh, we're going to do an episode on the War of 1812 and then – a couple weeks later, I came back to my dad. I was like, nah, I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> when you start doing the research on that, and there's no freaking way we can do this in one episode. Yeah. I uh, I did 
I think it was an entire episode just on the build up to it. So we, yeah. we covered this in earnest. Then. Yeah, it was a 3.5 starter. It was it was 3.5 episodes because like like one somewhat started it and then the rest was the whole war. <laughs> it was uh, it really was that way. That and Tammany Hall are the shows that remind us every now and then we are teaching people some stuff. So I'm excited about that. Um, again, today's weird loser, though, is this curse of Tippecanoe. So to give a little background. A badass Native American leader named Tecumseh, who, again, for more on him, check out the epic two-parter we did in 1812. Uh, Tecumseh's a legend, absolute American legend. Um, he's given the early United States all it can handle and more as the country's beginning to spread out from its original coastal regions. Okay, they're starting to encroach on uh, Ohio River Valley type stuff. We're crossing the Mississippi, Dad. And let's just say they had an honest concern. You know the uh, the neighbors; they just keep adding on to the building. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it, it was a it was a one story building before. Now they're building. There, there's a park next to it. There's more people coming in. Yeah, I mean, they, you give them the coastal towns, and now all of a sudden they want to go on the other side of the Appalachian Mountains, and uh, it doesn't stop. They just keep coming and coming, and there's scads of them. A lot of them too, man. And uh, Tecumseh is aware that although he was just member of the Shawnee Nation. The troubles with this budding United States idea he keeps hearing about were soon going to be a problem that faced all Indians. We're calling them that because that's what they were referred to back then. So I believe they also self-referred to themselves in that regard, too, because they, they just thought that was the word for the thing. You know, the, the good the Plains Indians didn't know that there was a, a whole you know other continent and country known as India that was practicing different religions. And in fact, they had some wildly different ideas on what to do with a cow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) they just figure that the end of the horizon was the end of the world Uh, there's some truth to that too man it's um it's a goofy one here but their land was sacred to them and they didn't really have ownership of the land so that's where it gets kind of tricky in here um but tecumseh is a brave warrior but he's not really really well known until he has a standoff with a future president of the united states um, who was a current war hero at the time of this interaction, and the territorial governor or military governor of Indiana, a guy by the name of William Henry Harrison. So, um, LP, what do the people need to know about William Henry Harrison at this time? Well, he was a military guy, and uh, like you say, he was a territorial governor, so Indiana was not yet a state. I mean, we're, we're still, the United States is still basically in its infancy or early childhood, if you will. And, uh, but he is made uh, teething. governor of Indiana, and you know there's scads of immigrants that are coming over to this new founded uh, United States, and they want a, you know part of the action. So land is the is the big thing. Move west, move west. There's plenty of land available. Of course, there's some people that are already living there, but you're just gonna have to deal with them. Like we said, they were um, <laughs> squatters' rights. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. But uh, unfortunately, so uh, there's this argument going on over apparently some – and this is where you can kind of understand. There's so much underhanded stuff that goes on with land grabs and stuff like that, especially in dealing with the First Peoples. Um, this particular one's kind of interesting to me though because this land in this Fort Wayne secession that they talked about, mm-hmm. Fort Wayne, Indiana, um, named after General Matt Anthony Wayne, Loserception. Loserception, um, <laughs> Matt Anthony Wayne. <laughs> There's a couple. We need a sound effect for Loserceptions moving forward. Yeah, I'm going to figure it out. Ring a be, bell or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we, we could do that too. Um, <laughs> spin a dreidel, or not dreidel, a top. Um, but uh, anyhow, so the one weird thing with this uh, Fort Wayne secession was that uh, they were now encroaching on what was traditionally Native American lands, the United States government and the military, and they're building forts and settlements. However, um, they 
did so by purchasing the land from Native Americans. And I think it was because we just had such different ideas about property right. that it was kind of like a, hey, we'll give you $500 for that piece of land over there. And then the guy's like, oh, that what? Right. I, don't, I don't even know. Hang on. How much are you paying? <laughs> yeah. So, and the other side of it is to, um, you, you might have made a deal with one of the Native Americans who was portraying himself as a tribal leader. But he's really not so much the tribal leader. He's just – He's he's playing a flim flam act himself, or he's flim agreeing. Such a good word. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's agreeing to uh, to the deal, and uh, you know, one side thinks, well, that's signed, sealed, and delivered. I mean, we had agreements on both sides, but actually, they weren't the um, the viable tribal leader that they portrayed themselves as. I was like that scene in a. Uh uh, mean Streets. I think it's the first De Niro Scorsese movie, and uh, Harvey Keitel's in it. And they get these kids from Jersey that are in there for like a Feast of San Gennaro type thing. And he goes to sell them. Uh, uh, goes, what are you kids looking for? Fireworks. He goes, All right, give me your money. What do you want? You want? I got cherry bombs. I got this. I got M80s. Well, and he just goes, Oh yeah, I'll meet you right back here with the fireworks. Now you give me the money, and then I can go get the fireworks for it. And then he gets in the car and they just drive away. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's kind of what might have happened to the United States government here a little bit. Um, so this particular Fort Wayne cessation, if you will, uh, and them trying to build up, uh, you know, again, you have to have a military to defend the new settlers out there. Otherwise, the settlers won't go. And there's this incentive because you can sell land. So it's really it's big business kind of a way. And they're coming in there. And so Tecumseh has this meeting. Again, he's a, a Shawnee warrior and his brother's actually really the one who's uh, and I won't even bother. This is out of respect. I will not attempt to pronounce the brother's name, Dad. Oh, I can give that a shot. We're we're just two blue collar guys from Jersey. All right. I got a retired shop teacher here. I got Cahoons. We all grew up in the tri-state area. This is a cancellation free zone. (laughs) Tensko Wata. You know what? That's pretty good. I'm going to go with that. I think he got it. Watawa. Watawa. Tensko Tensko Watawa. Yes. T-E-N. Yes. S-K-W-A-T-A-W-A. You figure it out from there at home. (laughs) Argue amongst yourselves. For the use of... Uh, I'm sorry, but Tenske Watawa. <laughs> I, I don't... Oh, my God. The way you said it was just so fucking... He funny. was known yeah. as Tenwawas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he owned ten franchise locations. Well, Wawas, yeah. We got Wawas all over the state. So he was actually the guy who was um, uh, the one they wanted to have the meeting with. He is a holy man, right? A prophet of the Shawnee. And his brother is Tecumseh, who's a good warrior, clearly a smart guy, a learned guy. And um, they have this meeting and they wind up meeting up with future president, William Henry Harrison. They meet near Fort Wayne and they have this discussion in it. Pretty much Tecumseh says, hey, so um, the chiefs that sold you this land are going to be punished. And if you inhabit these lands here, we will oppose you with everything that we have um, and you need to do something about it. And then the comment back from William Henry Harrison is like, well, I mean, I can I'll present that to the president who at the time was James Madison. He says, I'll, I'll present that to him, but we bought this land fair and square. And you're saying that these are traditional Indian lands, but then you, your tribes don't even get along. So how are we supposed to buy land from one tribe when you're selling it and there's no property lines? Like you, you really don't have a leg to stand on here. And dad, what is Tecumseh's response? Uh, we're going to uh, we're going to duke it out. We're going to uh, we're going to settle this with a little more than just uh, words. I think he pretty much said he goes, uh, if you don't fix this, then we're just going to have to fight it out. And now you drew a line in the sand, man. And this is <laughs> there's not a guy to take lightly here. Tecumseh is um, obviously this is going to get him some print in the paper. OK, he's getting uh, his, his name's out there. The United States government's going to start paying a little bit more attention to him. 
He's a fascinating guy. And he starts going on to this idea of he needs to figure out what are we going to do? This is not just a Shawnee problem. This is all the other neighboring tribes problem too, that they're not going to stop. So we got to stop them here. So he says, well, what if I do this? What if me as a member of the Shawnee nation, I go and I speak to the other tribes. I'm going to talk to the Choctaws. I'm going to talk to the Creek. I'm going to talk to the Cordezes. I'm going to talk to every tribe out. <laughs> Creek, Bubby, I'm your white knight. <laughs> <laughs> That's a quality diehard reverence. I didn't see that one coming. Um, but it's pretty wild. So he goes ahead and he starts having this uh, idea of pan-Indianism. So that's going to be where the tribes all kind of get along and work towards a common goal. This one being uh, pushing back a little bit on, on the encroaching United States. And they can't trust them because they also can't trust the British, but they've had some issues with the French. We got to just – we're looking out for ourselves here. That's right. kind of the gimmick right, right. now. Well, it is the uh, the native tribes at this point in time too. They didn't really get along with one another. There was a lot of intertribal uh, warfare going on. And disputes over, you know, boundaries. There really were no boundaries like the white man would envision a boundary. But, you know, they were they were not really getting along with uh, with one another. But Tecumseh was a great uh, diplomat as well, that he was able to, to show these people or convince these uh, other tribes that, hey, the common enemy here, although we might not get along with one another, the common enemy, the big enemy, is these Americans that are going through with all this Western ex- ex- expansion that if we don't stop them now, uh, they're just going to keep right on rolling over us. He's got a little bit of a Jon Snow thing going on where he's got to get everybody on his side right now because you don't understand winter is coming. Right? <laughs> That's it's it. definitely there. That's it. Um, but he speaks to all these different tribes and now a lot of them are hesitant to join up with Tecumseh even though he's clearly a well-spoken guy and his brother is known as the prophet, Right. Um, there's an interesting thing that's going to happen here. Uh, uh, Kahuna was talking about it earlier where, you know, they think like the end of the sky is the end of the universe kind of a thing or, mm-hmm. or another, uh, you, you know, the ancestors live in another realm thing. Um, you got a Shawnee holy man coming around with his brother talking about the need to join up and fight this great enemy. And then in 1811, uh, the great comet is seen in the sky. So... We talked about that with uh, the Mayans and the Aztecs and everything, how they thought like so. It's not Haley. No, not Haley's comet. No, this no. Is the great comet of 1811, which is one of the longest visible comets in the history of mankind, um, I believe. But uh, anyway, this thing shows up in the sky, and that convinces anybody who is on the fence. They're like, okay, so uh, if we believe in the spirit world, they're talking to us right now. Right. So let's get involved. <laughs> right. And they join up and they form what's known as Tecumseh's Confederacy. So. Um, and it will not be the only uh, Native American confederacy throughout um, history. However, it is probably the – I'd say that's the first pan-Indian confederacy, I believe. Well, they had the the, uh, the seven – the six and seven nations before this. Uh, but uh, yeah, that great comet of 1811, that was like um, proof to them that, uh, yeah, we better be listening to uh, Tecumseh and his brother, the, the prophet, um, that – this is something that we need to do. We have to come together to fight the uh, the common the common foe. I just found out something really interesting. Tecumseh's name translated. Do you know what it means? We probably said it on the eighteen twelve episode. It's something cool, right? It's shooting star. Shooting star. <laughs> that's why they probably. That's probably what contributed to the belief the the blind the blind belief in what they were saying. Oh, it, it's and again, the guy presents himself well too. He's got. Um, Later in his life, he's going to be invited uh, into the 
the houses to have dinner with, um, you know, higher ups in the British military. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, and again, even crazier too, is that later on a guy who uh, is almost president of the United States, William Tecumseh Sherman, uh, his middle name was given to him in honor of Tecumseh. I mean, right. <laughs> so, Whoa. Okay. Right, right. Yeah, there, the great a leader, the, you know, uh, diplomat, warrior, leader, um, Tecumseh. It was more than just small engines. A little bit like, oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, more, than a lawn, more than a lawnmower engine. Not to add another reference here, but a little bit of it is Bill the Butcher speaking so highly of Leonardo DiCaprio's father, honoring him every year to the point where Leo DiCaprio in Gangs of New York is like, I, I don't, he's the only one keeping my father's memory alive. What do I do right now? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a, a weird situation here, but they're gearing up for a fight. And uh, his brother, the prophet, lives in a town called Prophetstown, right? Pretty good name. A little, little on the nose, you know what I mean? Um, but they're going to be over here at uh, Prophetstown and they're waiting for more tribes to join up with them. The allies are coming. People are coming, right? Uh, and William Henry Harrison, he knows this and he's moving his troops out. And they're pretty much camped just a little bit outside of uh, Prophetstown. Mm-hmm. So what winds up happening is that um, Tecumseh knows this and winds up launching an attack to try to catch the troops under William Henry Harrison by surprise, even though they're already – you know, you've encroached on their territory. You're camped right outside of their town. So he launches a fiery attack and it takes about two and a half hours. But William Henry Harrison and his men who were completely caught by surprise wind up outlasting the assault. Two and a half hours of anything. I mean, <laughs> we're going to podcast for two and a half hours today, Cahoon, and I'm going to be tired when I'm done with it. <laughs> now imagine we're you know repelling you know people coming at us with muskets and you know, mohawks and stuff like that. Mohawks, Jesus, the tomahawks, I should have said. Um, I mean, it would be badass. It would be. Good cardio. Good cardio. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but the natives, again, um, they wind up getting repelled back here. And uh, when the native assault finally subsides, Harrison, William Henry Harrison, is able to burn Prophet's town to the ground, earning uh, themselves a victory and dealing a defeat to Tecumseh and his confederacy. This will also lead to William Henry Harrison's reputation as an Indian fighter. So he was already an American hero from like revolutionary times and stuff like that. And um, obviously he, he is involved with the War of 1812 as well. But – this is going to be kind of the thing that he's most known for. This is uh, you know, William Henry Harrison. He can go out there and he can fight the natives and he can win. So uh, it's got to be like, um, you know, just being a, a, a boxer. You know, he, he can win knockouts. You know what I mean? So by burning Prophetstown, he gets this. Um, now, this is going to lead us. And do you have anything else you want to say about the Battle of Tippecanoe, Dad, before we uh, get no, into No, I was the, just going to say that, you know, anomalies? That, that was uh, a big uh – Military victory, if you will, at least it was portrayed as a big military victory. It wasn't quite, quite as much as um, the media would would portray it as. But uh, with that, uh, Harrison now gets the uh, the nickname of Old Tippecanoe from that particular battle, the Battle of Tippecanoe, um, which was near Prophetstown. And through the, through that battle, he is able to uh, destroy uh, Prophetstown. But uh, yeah, big. Big, big, uh, big victory for old uh, William Henry Harrison. And he's gotten at this new, this new handle, old tip of canoe. So it's a, it's a good nickname. Now, sometimes they're using that as a compliment. Hey, tip of canoe, right? You know, this guy. Um, and then other times like, oh, you mean a old tip of canoe over there kind of a thing? Like they're saying, like, he really just burned a town down. He didn't do much, you know? Um, and by the way, just so everyone knows, Tecumseh actually lives. So he lives through this. Um, there's some issues as to whether or not he's furious with his brother about how the battle goes down. Um, 
But Tecumseh will become uh, almost a household name because although they do lose the Battle of Prophetstown or Tippecanoe, um, he winds up then joining up with the British efforts and he's fighting with the British in the War of 1812 with his you know Shawnee Confederacy and all the other people he's bringing with him. And there's some badass fighters and we're, we're pretty nervous right now because all of a sudden now the British are trying to take the country back that we just liberated not too long ago, four presidents ago. Yeah, this whole area is is under dispute right right from early on. I mean, way back when with the French and Indian War years before and now um, the American Revolution has already been uh, fought and, you know, supposedly the Americans win. And now that land in the Western expansion is kind of like in a no man's land because the British say that they gave it to the colonies in the uh, Treaty of Paris from the Revolutionary War. But, you know, they're giving away property that really belongs to the Native Americans. So the Native tribes are fighting for that. And the British were not real happy with the outcome of the Revolutionary War. So they're doing whatever they can to aid the Native Americans as long as it's harassing the American colonists. So it's uh, it's uh, it's crazy, crazy times and crazy uh, land dispute that a lot of people claim in, uh, that they're the ones that really uh, have the other rightful heirs to that particular uh, territory. So it's a big moment in American history too here. But and quick question for you, Dad, because a lot of stuff going on in the news with Canada right now too as well um, and people referencing the War of 1812. If I want to learn more about that, and I had like $3. Yeah, you could probably, uh, you know, there's this podcast. Um, a comic and his dad do this thing called American Loser. <laughs> and if you uh, if you Google that, I'm sure you'll be able to come to, up to a Patreon situation where for a measly three bucks, you could probably learn all about that. My Price God. of a coffee. Literally, literally, just a coffee. You can't <laughs> yeah. even buy a beer for that. You're going to tell me about the War of 1812 for a beer? Hey, was that smooth the way we slid that in there? Not too bad. Not yeah? too bad. All right. We're working on it. Um, thank you, Mike Calta. Um, so <laughs> 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 um, again, Tecumseh does survive and joins the British Army until his death. He will die in combat. Um and it is some of the fiercest fighting out there, too. Fighting the Americans. Correct. Correct. Uh, not before his brother, though, the holy man, who, uh, again, Tenwawas, as we have called him. Um, <laughs> this holy man is claimed to, and this is where the phenomenon occurs, this is where we're going to get into the creepy stuff, the spectral stuff. Um, the holy man is claimed to have cursed William Henry Harrison for the burning of his prophetstown. So, again, this guy's a, when, you know, they're trying to conjure up uh, support a comet appears in the sky. So maybe this man is favored by the gods here. So this leads us to one of the strangest elections in American history. And I mean it, by the way, folks, every one of our elections is strange. Something weird goes on in every single one of them. We are, uh, everyone knows how I feel about this country. I, I think it's the greatest crazy experiment on earth um, and it's the greatest cast of characters we've ever had short of the Roman Empire. But uh, 1840 is a very strange year. So uh, in 1840, America is facing the... I guess probably the the there's the panic of 1837. So you have an economic hardship that's going on that has yet to be solved. Andrew Jackson, uh, his vice president, is the current incumbent now. So Jackson's vice president, Jackson, who came in, brought in this whole um, uh, Jacksonian Democrat kind of an idea, really making the presidency the people's office. He was a commoner. He grew up in a, a log cabin um, and he was one of the most popular presidents of all time. Um, Another war hero. Another war hero. Uh, now, again, his battle, obviously, 1812 happens a little bit after the war's over, but, you know, sometimes you get uh, 
it's semantics. You get, <laughs> you get caught up with uh, the news traveling so slow. Oh, yeah. But in 1840 now, Jackson's vice president is a guy by the name of Martin Van Buren. He is the current incumbent. And now he's going to try to run for re-election. But his presidency, his pres- not Jackson's, has him holding the bag for some of Jackson's wild policies that causes they, – they do blame the Panic of 1837 right. on Andrew Jackson. But he was so popular, everybody's like, oh, no, no, not him. And that's Van Buren asshole. I don't know what to do with him. Yeah, it was that vice president. He had a shitty vice president, that Martin no, Van Buren. So we'll he's, blame him. He's Dutch-German. You can't trust him. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Van Buren's being blamed for the economic difficulties, like we said. Um, but he's got a strange, strange path to his reelection. His – party renominated him. I I don't think this has ever happened before. I think this is the first time in history it ever happened that um, the first time Van Buren was elected, his vice president was so unpopular that he fell short of the nomination by one single vote. And the 12th Amendment to the United States Constitution actually had to make this guy the vice president. And this guy's name, he's a very, very controversial vice president, arguably one of the most controversial of all time, um, Richard Mentor Johnson. Okay, so this is where it gets crazy. So they don't like him at first. They barely let him get into the office. And he's so controversial that they refuse to renominate him for the election of 1840. So Martin Van Buren is now going to have to run for reelection as the incumbent and can't even keep the old ticket together. Right. Can't even doesn't even have a complete ticket. So it's Martin Van Buren and a vice president potentially to be named later. That's right. A player to be named later will be added to the ticket. A draft pick. Uh, <laughs> to be determined. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to TBA. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're going Van Buren TBA, 1840. Um, this, by the way, the guy's name, he's fascinating human being. To, you already pulled his stuff up too. Richard Mentor Johnson. Okay. He's a Kentucky lawyer. Um, he is very, very much a um, controversial figure because first of all, he's friends with Henry Clay. That earns you as many friends as it you know earns you uh, enemies. Uh, Kuhn is already scrolling over something interesting about this guy, too. He was from Kentucky. He had some pretty progressive ideas here, man. He was actually common law married to uh, a black woman. Um, I think they called her uh, – she was mixed race. So I think it was like a, a Creole. So it, it, he probably had a Rihanna, Beyonce type looking wife at home. <laughs> and <laughs> and if she – if you know what I mean? Uh, he's, he took great care of her, too. And by the way, uh, he had kids with her and gave the kids his last name. And people were like, my God. How could you do that? He goes, I, th- this is a woman that I have a relationship with and I've had children with and I'm going to take care of her and I'm going to take care of the children. And honestly, you can fuck yourself if you think I'm not going to. And that earned him a lot of hatred. OK, a lot of hatred because people are like, my God, the, the indecency here. So he's got that going on, too. He's a, a character. And by the way, uh, something worth talking about just for a second here. Um, 1840 election around the time prior to that, I should say, a couple elections before that. Andrew Jackson gets this swell of the popular vote because um, not everyone got to vote right away. Uh, The white male suffrage, if you will, um, where they were getting the right to vote was starting to happen more and more now. Where if you didn't own land or if you didn't make a certain amount of money, now you were all of a sudden able to vote. And a lot of people really liked Andrew Jackson because he was a rough and tumble dude and he – he liked to party down in New Orleans and uh, he was a (laughs) a tough guy. Chased down his own assassin. True story. So – now they're trying to figure out, well, how do we get this voting block to come on board here? And uh, they, they got to figure out what the hell they're going to do. And Martin Van Buren is labeled as a bad dude um, because, uh, again, this economic panic of 1837, Native Americans do not have the right to vote at this time. Now, this would blow your fucking mind. All right, I, I think this is a fair thing to say here. 
if you were a Native American and you were told that you had the right to vote in the election of 1840 and they told you, well, we got Martin Van Buren. He's kind of doing a bad job. Uh, the economy's in the shitter. And as vice president, uh, they're not even going to let him on. And by the way, uh, he, he shot – this is the guy credited with shooting and killing Tecumseh in the Battle of Thames. Back in the War of 1812. Yeah, yep. so he's portraying himself as a war hero for dropping this guy too, right? Um, so he killed Tecumseh and then there's like, oh, well, I, if he killed Tecumseh, I don't want to vote for that guy. He goes, what are my other options? He goes, um, the guy who burned Tecumseh's hometown, <laughs> William, William Henry Harrison and, and John Tyler, you know, Tippecanoe and Tyler too. Tyler too. That was the one of the great campaign slogans of all time was Tippecanoe and Tyler too. We're going to – now the, this is not the Republican Party yet. This is the Whig Party that eventually within 40 or so years – um, turns into the you know the Republican Party, Lincoln's Republican Party, um, but they they wind up doing it's a great sales pitch. Tippecanoe and Tyler do they're going to trot out an old war hero to run against Martin Van Buren, who's not quite popular. Martin Van Buren too, by the way, I believe is the uh, the distinction of saying he wrote a letter uh, decrying that when he was governor of New York, uh, surely the good Lord did not intend for man to travel at such breakneck speeds. What do you think he was talking about? Canoes, stagecoaches. <laughs> <laughs> helicopters? Oh, for sure, helicopters. It was, uh, I believe, it was riverboats. He was no terrified way. by the concept of riverboats. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. You can't go that fast. It's Rich ungodly. Richard was. Uh, no, this was uh, uh, Martin Van Buren. Martin. Van so, and, and keep in mind, Van Buren can't even get this VP on. The, the Democratic Party will not allow for it to happen. They block him, so he's running by himself. He's his own one-man party. All right. Um, but was afraid of the steamboat. It, that's even the, <laughs> I mean, those big paddle wheels are creepy. <laughs> <laughs> they go around and they go around. Yeah, man. And they go around. And they're again. just giant. <laughs> <laughs> but the Whigs are rolling out an old war hero. They're drumming up the old thing for Tippecanoe and Tyler, too, because it seems like these white males that are voting now, they like a rough and tumble guy. They like Jackson. So maybe they'll like, you know, William Henry Harrison. He's a tough dude, too. He was out there. He was an Indian fighter. Another army, another army vet and, uh, you know, war hero, if you will. The war was against the Native Americans, but uh, he had other military. Well, he was involved yeah. a little bit of everything. Yeah. Uh, Harrison will win the election in the year of 1840. Okay. Uh, absolutely nothing goes how it seems like it was supposed to have gone. William Henry Harrison will die in office after giving the longest inauguration speech of all time. Wasn't it? Oh. Wasn't it like five hours? It, it was up there. And uh, they said, I think it was also in the rain, too. And then his schedule was just crazy. He, he got said, pneumonia like an idiot. He, yeah. <laughs> right. They said it was his schedule. He couldn't keep up with the nightlife of D.C. trying to sit there and be like, oh, I have to have a meeting with so-and-so now or whatever. And he was an old man. At the time, he was the oldest. Uh, I mean, just 67 is different now. All right. 67 is a different. We're living in a time where people live longer. Um yeah. But he was age 67 in 1840. Which is old then. Yeah, there was a 17 yeah. on that birth certificate. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so he dies a little bit more than a month after being inaugurated at 67. The oldest president elected at that time. His vice president, Tyler, of the famous Whig campaign uh, slogan being Tippecanoe and Tyler too. All of a sudden, he's going to prove to be extremely difficult to work with for the Whig party that just got him elected. Because really, he's more of a Democrat, but he kind of liked William Henry Harrison and he's fiercely independent on some issues. So now, congrats, guys. You just won. Your political party just won office and this guy's not going to do shit for you. Right. All right. Um, by the way, if I'm correct, wasn't John Tyler known as his accidency, Dad? <laughs> um, 
<laughs> was it him or Johnson? No, I guess it was him. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure we did an episode. John Tyler was known as his accidency because he was not supposed to be president. Um, and he's one of the first presidents to assume the office. Yeah, and he was barely vice president, but he managed to become president because Harrison had to give this long ass <laughs> inaugural speech and catches pneumonia and dies like a month after uh, uh, his inauguration. Yeah. William Henry Harrison is like, I just got to, you know, I'm being inaugurated right now and uh, I got to go do Joe Rogan. I'll be right back. <laughs> oh my God. I'd, call, I'd definitely call my unlucky friends that year accidency. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did call him that. Kahuna confirmed it too. It was John Tyler. It was. So now Tecumseh was being admired around this time because that's the thing that sucks. If you guys pay attention to some of the themes on the show, people that are hated while they're alive get remembered better. Yeah. Everyone, right, once, they, once they pass it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's the same thing where it's uh, – you see it in um, – Specifically, it'll be like uh, with the political parties that while they're running, this person's the devil. Right. And then, uh, you know, all of a sudden it's uh, you start hearing people say, hey, really, actually, I mean, he was a good man. He was a good man. I wish they'd go back to that day, you know, because now we have a new devil that we have now. That's just <laughs> yeah, I mean, politics. That, that's really uh, Tecumseh's uh, uh, situation, too, because now that he's dead and he can no longer do us any harm because we killed him during the War of 1812. Now, when you're thinking back, yeah, he really wasn't a bad guy. I mean, he was a fierce warrior. He was tried to tried to bring, yeah, very intelligent, articulate. Could could bring the rest of the tribes um, together to form this confederacy. That you know, he was really trying to make it all for one and all for you know, all for one kind of a thing. And uh, yeah, now that he can't do you any harm, and we've already rode over. You know, we burnt his village and killed his brother and. <laughs> everything else. Well, he's being highly admired by uh, the English, the French, the Americans, and of course, other tribes and members of his former confederacy. And there's a pop very, very popular little urban legend here, like we were saying, that Tecumseh's brother, Tenwawas, had cursed. <laughs> Ten Tenwawa. <laughs> the Shawnee holy man, as we'll call him. There you go. Um, or Tecumseh's brother, the Tecumseh's prophet. Tecumseh's brother. Which is <laughs> That's why they call him the prophet, because it's a whole lot easier than trying to pronounce his sure name. Sure <laughs> um, So this holy man had cursed Harrison for the burning of Prophetstown. And the curse is what they're saying killed him. It becomes known as the curse of Tippecanoe. But then some other weird stuff starts happening in American history, Dad, that makes the election years of certain presidents stand out a little bit more. Yeah. And you've been alive for a couple of these. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it seems well, – again, now Harrison – William Henry Harrison was elected in 1840. And he was the one that supposedly received this uh, Tecumseh curse um, that it seemed that anybody who was – elected in a year ending in a zero. And it seems that every 20 years, another president happens to die in office or doesn't fulfill his terms of office kind of a thing. Um, so yeah, 18, 1840 is when this started. And uh, then it was just the curse of Tippecanoe, isolated incident, William Henry Harrison gets whacked from beyond the grave. Right. Yep. Kind of a good story. Yep. Yep. But yeah. then, then shit gets creepy. And then shit gets starts to get creepy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Cohen, I'll ask you a question real quick as he's getting into it. Um, so this is 1840. So, uh, and again, if the year ends in zero, it's typically not good for the incumbent. Um, not even the incumbent, the, the person winning the election. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll give you a wild guess. Um, you're going to know a couple of these. Go down the list, buddy. Lawrence Patrick. 
All right. Well, we got 1840. That's the, the start of this curse, which was the William Henry Harrison. And he. Three uh, weeks. He, yeah. He, he's, he dies of pneumonia while he's in office. Now we fast forward another 20 years and now we're up to uh, 1860. The president is 1860. Oh, no. It was a game changer. Who knows him? For and there was like one piece of paper with his picture on it. Four different candidates. Not Lincoln. It is. Yeah. Wait yeah. a minute. So, are you serious? Does this like actually like permeate? Yeah. Like oh, Kahuna. <laughs> oh, Kahuna. <laughs> oh, I love that. Song. There was our draw drop for this episode. Yep. <laughs> Wait a minute. The, okay. Yeah. So it's we went from 1840 with Harrison. Now we're up to 1860 with uh, Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln, although he does serve two terms, in his second term, he's assassinated by John Wilkes Booth, and he does not fulfill his his second term, doesn't outlive his second term. 1860. 1860. Now, we're going to add 20 years to that. This one's great because he wasn't here for the episode, but I think it's Kahuna's favorite episode. Okay, we go to 1880, and now our president happens to be, in his first term, James A. Garfield. James A. Garfield also gets assassinated, just like Lincoln got assassinated. He does not fill his turn. Kuna <laughs> took his headphones off. <laughs> he dropped, them, dropped the mic. But wait, it gets better. Wait, hang on, Kahuna's. We got to wrap up one other detail here, too, because Kahuna remembers this. Um, it was our second episode with um, the great cousin Kelly as the guest filling in for you. Um, so that's in 1860. A major election sees Lincoln get elected. He's assassinated in office in 1865. In 1880, James A. Garfield is elected president. He will die of a gunshot wound and complications thereof in 1881 at the hands of maniac and former supporter. Say his name, Kahuna. Charles Agatel. <laughs> Charles. Yeah, Charles J. Gatto is kind of like the Charles Voldemort on this. Show. If you say Gattel. his three names into a. Uh, he might just show up. He'll knock on the fucking right, glass. There you go. Hey, can I have a job? <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> oh. Lawrence Patrick. All right. All right. So it's we went from 1880 to James A. Garfield. What we got next? Now we're up to 1900. Again, 20 years. 80 plus 20 gives you 1900. Uh, Mr. William McKinley, former governor of Ohio, former governor of Ohio. He's in his second term. All right. Uh, he gets assassinated by the anarchist coward Leon Shalgosh. Um, now, again, oh, McKinley's a tough guy here, too, because he's the former governor. He's kind of a bland person. So the fact that he got killed by anybody is wild, but he was backed by big money. This is Rockefeller, J.P. Morgan, Carnegie, all those guys um, met in a room and decided who we're going to run for president against, lose reception, William Jennings Bryan. So what happens, Dad? Leon Shalgosh pulls the trigger. Check out the back catalog. We did a whole episode on this. Pulls the trigger and kills good old former governor of Ohio, William McKinley, in 1900. Okay. And Kahuna, one wild guess. One wild guess. Who becomes president of the United States now? Does it end with Roosevelt? <laughs> Does it end with Roosevelt? <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding? Last name me? Roosevelt, first name Frank Teddy Motherfucking. <laughs> <laughs> Teddy Motherfucking. <laughs> MF. <laughs> no, it's a descendant. So he, he inherits the bet. Anyway. For so the kids' show, we call him MF. Mm-hmm. Teddy MF. And he becomes uh, uh, president of the United States now because of this, which is crazy too, because. William Jennings Bryan was this wild um, populist, uh, progressive, you know, kind of uh, the, the people's president kind of a thing. 
And now Roosevelt comes in and ushers in all this. So the, the chaos theory is here. Whatever your intended goal was is backfiring on you. Right. Big That's business. Part of the curse too, as far as yeah, big business was pushing for William McKinley, and they used T.R. as the vice president to uh, try to get a more popular vote because he's the he's the big hero of the Spanish American War. Mm -hmm. So and such a pain in the ass in New York that Tammany Hall kind of wanted him out. Yeah. And they said, let's get this guy yeah. as a VP. Right. That way we don't got to hear about him no more. Move then, him boom. up and out because vice president at the time really didn't do squat. So until your president dies. So we're in 1900. William McKinley uh, is assassinated. So the, the Tecumseh curse continues. Now we're up to 1920, right? 20 years later. Um, now we have Warren G. Harding. Uh, what happens with old Warren G? Uh, he, he dies of a heart attack. So he wasn't assassinated, but he dies of a heart attack. He doesn't, he doesn't complete his ter uh, term of office. So this is where your chaos theory is coming in, too. Now it's 1920, Warren G. Harding, a very, very popular president during his lifetime, dies of a heart attack, all of a sudden you find out every dirty secret this guy was hiding. The teapot dome scandal is coming out. The fact that he had a child out of wedlock that he lied about. He is one of the most corrupt presidents presiding over the most corrupt cabinet maybe in the history of the United States. So again, chaos theory is playing a big, big part of this. Holy shit. We like this guy. Now he dies of a heart attack. We find out, oh, wow, he was butt-fucking the whole country. <laughs> <laughs> really? And his buddies. They had a chain going. But – uh uh, 1920, we have Warren G. Harding. He dies of a heart attack. 1940, all right? Another 20 years tacked on. Now the current president is Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And he happens to be in his fourth term. He set a new precedent because it had been up to that point no more than two terms of office. Well, the chaos of a World War II will change people's attitude about wanting to have a president go beyond just two terms of office. That's not true. I saw a newspaper article that said Dewey beat him. <laughs> you tell me that, no, fake, that fake news. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't Dewey. That was uh the next guy after after Franklin Delano. Uh that was Truman. But uh anyhow, uh Franklin Delano Roosevelt dies while in office of a cerebral hemorrhage. Now, that's in 1945, but he wins his third election as the president of the United States in 1940, the curse of the zeros. Okay? The curse of the zeros, well intact here. Every 20 years, every every 20 with a zero. All okay. right? But that was back then. Minute. That was back then, guys. So now uh, you're- But of course, that was back in the 19, you know, in the, in the 20th century. So now we're- we're up to more modern times. It's post World War II America. Post World War II, no, no, everybody's no, no, happy. No, no. We got the the America swinging sixties. We're we're going to put a man on the moon. Oh, good God! And in 1960, a man by the name of John Fitzgerald Kennedy is in office. This curse is real. And guess what? He gets assassinated. Now, yeah, he's, he's fine. Yeah, I want to point right. out, too, there's also a thing, too, about presidential assassins always having uh, three names. So the uh, Abraham Lincoln, his assassin was um, uh, John, John Wilkes Booth. Booth. And then the uh, uh, JFK's assassin was, I'm forgetting it. What's the name? Lee, Lee Harvey Oswald. Uh, no, 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 the Central Intelligence Agency. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All I'm right. right about that. Just like that American loser disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, so then JFK, sadly, is elected in 1960 and he dies uh, in office as well. Now, it gets a little interesting here. It's 1980 all of a sudden. 
and Jimmy Carter uh, is running for re-election and the economy's kind of in the shitter. Um, things aren't going too, too great for him. I think the general consensus on Jimmy Carter is that he's a good man, but he was a, a, a bad president. I think a lot of people say that about him. So in 1980, he's running for office. Uh, or running for re-election, I should say. And re-election, gets, yeah. yeah. Trying to serve a second term. Gets asked by a, a journalist about what – how do you feel about this? And by the way, this is starting to show up in newspaper uh, publications. Ripley's Believe It or Not posted an article about it. It was the 20-year curse of the presidents. Yeah, I mean if you read it in Ripley's Believe It or Not, you got to you gotta go with it. It's exactly. a true fact, right? <laughs> so uh, he gets asked about this and Jimmy Carter's response is, you know, I have seen the data on that, that presidents – elected in a year with a zero, tend to die in office. And, um, you know, if I knew it was going to happen, um, I wouldn't be afraid. I would just do the best job I could every day until it was my day to go. And you're like, well, goddamn, Jimmy, that's a pretty good answer. <laughs> um, however, he will skirt the curse. Um, he skirts the curse because guess what, Cahoons? Well, he doesn't get elected in 19. He does not get elected. <laughs> Who does get elected? Wait, is that Ronald? Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. 1980 election. Now, Ronald Reagan, the actor? <laughs> Ronald Reagan, the actor. So right. here's the craziest part. Now, you know. Gonzo I, goes to Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Bonzo. What, what, what was that? I watched that Muppet movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you guys this real quick, too, because we know. We're, we're three learned folks here in this room. So we know that Ronald Reagan does not die in office. No. Right? Does the average listener at home know that just a couple months into Reagan's first term as president? He does get shot and attempted assassination. Yeah. What was that dude's name? Uh, Ken Krantz. Um, <laughs> John Hinckley Jr., I believe. Yeah, it's Ken Krantz. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to change it on Wikipedia, too. Uh, yeah, now, they, he, uh, Reagan does outlive his presidency. He lives far beyond his presidency. But at the same time, there wasn't a an assassination attempt on his life where he gets shot in the chest. And if it had not been for, you know, modern medical miracle type of a thing, he oh, yeah. would not have survived that that gunshot. If that had been 40 years previous, uh, he would never have uh, um, survived that, that gunshot. Uh, and a, a pretty badass Secret Service agent, too, gets involved with that one. Yeah. Um, so things I wanted to tell you real quick here. Um, Obviously, like we said, so the idea being that Reagan doesn't get hit by the curse, but then chaos theory comes in here. Nancy Reagan was so freaked out by the idea of this curse of Tippecanoe that she actually hired psychics and astrologers to come to the White House and try to figure out what can we do to protect my husband. Right. That's how badass Nancy Reagan was, too, by the right. way. That was a ride or die. Right. You know I mean, um, she had, uh, you know, bring in the bring in the other um the new prophets, the modern day prophets, and we got to spread some uh, some good juju around there to yeah, not, overcome like the Mary bad Todd juju. almost. Mary Todd was <laughs> yeah. trying, Abe, Abe, hear me out. And right. Mary Todd, it was <laughs> very similar with uh, with Abe, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, because of that, they say that she was maybe possibly. This is all playing with the legend and the theory here that she was able to uh, by bringing in the spirits and the astrologers. Uh, her husband lived through the curse, but also um, he did become seriously ill. Uh, Ronald Reagan Jr. admits that his father was showing signs of uh, Alzheimer's uh, in his first three years of his first uh, term as president. So that he's showing Alzheimer's signs and then also uh, then wins re-election and is the oldest president uh, in history at the time, I believe. So that one's an interesting one over here. So the curse may not have claimed his life, but it certainly, if it is for real, is damaging the leader of the free world. 
next election that's going to fall with a zero is going to be 2000. George W. Bush is elected in 2000. And going back into chaos theory, shortly into his first term, the most cataclysmic event of my lifetime takes place during the attack on the World Trade Center. Bush will survive. I did not realize this. There was an assassination attempt on Bush that like a, a live grenade was thrown at him in 2005 I was reading yeah. about. And it was a dud. Yeah, and it was a dud. So he lived through his presidency too. Um, there, he also dodged a shoe that got thrown at him overseas. I mean, that was another weird one. <laughs> that was I, a press conference, yeah. Yeah, by the way, that guy's out of jail now too. I, I, always, I always thought that that was hilarious though because he ducked with the utmost quickness. Like, <laughs> like he was prepared from the grenade. Oh, he was a ball player. Yeah, he was a ball player, man. So, but there is this whole thing where they're saying that you still had, I mean, that's one of the most um, damaging things that could ever happen uh, to have 9-11 happen that quickly into his term. You know what I mean? So uh, if the curse is going to be affected by, via chaos theory, like we're arguing, then there's an argument for that. Um, now, with the two previous presidents, Bush and Reagan, both able to leave office and retire, the curse had started to get called into question. But, and again, we are not a political show. We're just covering stuff from history. Okay. What just happened, Kahuna? A lot. <laughs> a lot's happened. Okay. A lot has happened here. Um, in 2020... We had a presidential election. Oh, God. And oh, shit. And <laughs> Joe Biden became the 46th president of the United States at age 79. Some people are starting to fear that old Tecumseh might not just be done with this yet. So the, the precedent is set for if it was to happen and he did pass away in office and die in office, there would be people saying like, did this go all the way back to that, that Indiana fight we had with the natives is Tecumseh still pulling some is 10 waffles come on man <laughs> <laughs> yeah enough uh, here's to hoping that the curse has been lifted or even better maybe it never existed at all but there is something to be said about this very mysterious curse of Tippecanoe LP anything on the way out I know we're. I'm going to set you up for success with this one segment but anything else on Tippecanoe on Tippecanoe uh no, that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much what I got on Tippecanoe. I mean, it was just you know, urban the legend, curse in general? urban legend, or the curse. I mean, and there were there are other similar curses like the uh, the the twenty year curse, the curse of Tippecanoe, um, the second year term curse. That there, there's a curse that uh, you know, presidents, outgoing presidents, even if they survive their term of office their second term was nowhere near as great as their first term of office. So, I mean, you know, you can, you can dream up or conjure up whatever curse you want, but, uh, this, um, this tip of canoe curse, uh, had gotten some traction over the years with the various, you know, coincidental incidents, maybe, or is it, is it a true curse? Maybe. What do you want to believe? We got to just wait it out. We got a couple more years, okay? Because the next election will be in 2024, and then we can take a break from the curse for a little while. But um, we're going to, because we love you guys, we really do love you guys. And uh, we want to, if you're a new listener, we want to treat you to something. If you're an old listener, you deserve this reward. Um, check this out, folks. A little bonus time here, a little President's Day nonsense um, coming at you. Uh, Lawrence Patrick Burke has been telling me about this for years. Many, uh, <laughs> many a car ride in his uh, Mercury Villager, which uh, didn't have back seats in it because he worked as a contractor. You know, he's a carpenter, so all the tools were in the back. So, you know, yeah, right. You don't need seat belts or nothing. I'd be sitting on the floor, maybe bouncing around or whatever. And right. my father would occasionally regale us with a tale of some weird stuff from American history. So the Curse of Tippecanoe definitely fits that. But this was one you were big on. Um, 
And I remember bringing an article about this into maybe my second or third grade classroom. And that's when people, the teacher started to be like, oh, all right, this guy's. <laughs> he knows his shit. He's a deep thinker. Yeah, I didn't think story time was going to involve the Alamo, but okay, <laughs> Mr. Burke. Um, <laughs> um, but go ahead. This one's been a favorite of yours for a while. And it's very interesting. And Kahuna's going to know some of them, too. And I think that the fans are going to know them, too, because we have smart fans. Yeah, well, just when we first started talking about this curse of Tippecanoe uh, to do it as a topic with American Loser, um, and I immediately hearkened back to my own remembrances, if you will. I was in the seventh grade when Kennedy was assassinated. And shortly after that, I would say within a year's time, this whole uh, curse of Tippecanoe and about presidents not serving their full term um, – really started to blossom all over again. It, you know, it, it rematerialized. And there was a, a lot of uh, media attention played to the fact that, that the similarities between the Kennedy assassination and the Lincoln assassination. And, you know, they've attributed that now to urban legends. Some of the stuff that was originally conjured up has been proven to be not quite correct. But there's a lot of creepy stuff that, um, that came to light that did prove to be, it was accurate, that um, both presidents um, were elected to Congress in a 46, one being 1846 for Lincoln or 1946 for, for Kennedy. Um, Lincoln was elected from, uh, uh, from Illinois and, of course, Kennedy came from Massachusetts in 1946. Um, both were elected to the presidency in a 60. Lincoln in 1860, Kennedy in 1960. Um, both have seven letters in their last name, Lincoln and Kennedy, both seven letters. Both were concerned with civil rights. Uh, Lincoln felt strongly that all the slaves should be freed and issued the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, Kennedy was concerned with racial equality and was the first to propose what would be the Civil Rights Act. Now, the Civil Rights Act came after his death, but it was Johnson, his his uh, um, the, vice president. Got the vice president, who really hang on, whose vice president was last name Johnson? Yeah, well, that, that's another similarity that uh, Abraham Lincoln had a vice president named Johnson. Abraham Lincoln, you know, his vice president was uh, Andrew Johnson. Mm -hmm. uh, Kennedy's vice president was um, Lyndon Baines. Lyndon Baines Johnson. Um, Mr. You scary. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and as a teenager, when you're starting to read some of this shit, I mean, they're like, holy shit, you know, what what's going on here with all of this? Um, both both uh, presidents, Lincoln and Kennedy, were married in their 30s to women in their 20s. Lincoln was married on November 4th, um, and that made him 33 years old at the time. And uh, his bride, Mary Ann Todd, was born on December 13th, making her 23 years old. Kennedy, again, he was married uh, as a 30-something, as a and his bride, uh, uh, Jacqueline Bouvier, was uh, a 24-year-old. And a smoke show. And a smoke show, too. Yeah, well... Now, Kennedy was an extremely popular president to the to the younger generation. Um, you know, you got this young, vibrant guy, a hot looking wife. He's got kids in the White House. I mean, we haven't had and he's that cheating on her. <laughs> well, that didn't come out until later. That was different times. But um, both presidents lost a son while living in the White House. 
Lincoln lost his 11-year-old son, William, and Kennedy lost his infant son, Patrick. Um, both sons' names, William Wallace Lincoln and Patrick Bouvier Kennedy, have 21 letters each, each having seven letters each in their first, middle, and last name. So all the numerologists would have all kinds of spooky things to think about with that. Both were shot on a Friday. Uh, Lincoln was shot on Good Friday, April 14th, and Kennedy was shot on a Friday, November 22nd. Both were shot in the head. Um, both were shot in the presence of their wives. Both were assassinated by Southerners. Lincoln was shot by John Wilkes Booth from Maryland, and Kennedy was shot by Lee Harvey Oswald uh, from, uh, from New Orleans. Um, both, we already said this. Both president's successors were named Johnson. Um, both were succeeded by Southerners, Antron Johnson from Tennessee and Lyndon Baines Johnson from Texas. Uh, uh, LBJ, by the way, first president to have barbecue served in the White House. There you go. Barbecue. Uh, both successors were born in 08. Andrew Johnson was born in December 29th, 1808. Lyndon Baines Johnson was born August 27th, 1908. Both assassins, uh, both Booth and Oswald, were known by their three names, not just their s singular names. So, I mean, there's all kinds of all kinds of stuff. Um, each assassin's full name is composed of 15 letters. So, again, you want to bring in the numbers thing. Um, Lincoln was shot in Ford's theater, and then his assailant um, escaped to. A, well, he, he was really found in a barn. Some people would consider that like a, a, stair, a, um, a warehouse or a storehouse. Um, Kennedy was shot and then his assassin escaped to a theater. So there was all kinds of all kinds of mix match there, too, that one's shot in a theater and escapes to a a warehouse, the other one's shot from a warehouse they, they and make escapes a, to a theater. They so. make a joke about that on South Park, too, when um, Officer Barb Brady's going to kill um, Kathy Lee Gifford uh, in like the first season or something. And I, I remember, uh, oh, was, uh, Mr. Garrison was going to be, he walks past Officer Barb Brady with a gun in his hand. He goes, uh, Officer Barb Brady, where would be a good place to get a shot at Kathy Lee? And uh, Barb Brady just goes, the book depository might be a good spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Anyhow, there were a lot of a lot of really weird similarities between between both. Some of the stuff that was printed early on uh, has been since disproven, but there's still a lot of stuff that goes. The list goes on and on and on. But uh, you know, when you lose your president, um, that that really just starts to hit home. I think that uh, some of that stuff was, I'm sure, was equally as creepy to the people back in. Uh, 18, uh, 1865 when uh, Lincoln was uh, no longer with us as it was in um, 1965. But uh, um, strange, strange stuff. Same pe strange peculiarities. How's that? Absolutely. No, and that was a good one there. We're going to wrap this uh, bad boy up. If you guys want to follow us, it's over at American Loser Podcast. Actually, I'm in a little bit of trouble on social media right now. I uh, I'm in the last four hours of a Facebook ban, so I can't comment or talk to you guys about it, Ooh. which means both pages. Yeah, because I, I made a comment about Joe Weber, who's been a guest on the show, who's a friend of mine. What um, did you say? What well, did you say? Space Jam's a terrible movie? I made a, I made a comment. Apparently, it's, it's been both times I've been in trouble. It's been because of Joe Weber. Uh, one time I uh, 
I, I think I said I'm going to execute him in front of uh, John Beecroft for something that he did. And then they flagged that one. And then um, I think – I'm hoping it was auto-flagged. Um, but I apparently uh, last night I said uh, – a comment. I, I had a bad Facebook joke that wasn't getting any traction last night. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Joe's father goes, uh, oh, those are the crickets you're hearing right now from your, your response to your joke. And I said, oof, I'm bombing on a Saturday. What am I, your son? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> apparently bombing with the current climate might have set it off. And I, I tagged Joe Weber in it. And uh, then I got flagged. So for the next, I can't talk to you guys on Facebook for a little bit. Um, but uh, that's I going away. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> you might have to be soon. Um, Elias. But uh, again, the, the show the is, plum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our Instagram page is also coming under some fire right now too, just because they're trying to make me prove who I am. But it's a it's a, a business page, so it's very weird. So that's American Loser Podcast over there on Instagram uh, at KP Burke Sucks on Instagram is working just fine. Go ahead and follow me on there, guys. I'll talk to you. I enjoy DMing back and forth with you. Everybody's always been super cool, and we always promote the shows on there as well. KP Burke over on Facebook. Eventually, I'm going to have to get a Twitter back. I got official confirmation from 800 Pound Gorilla. That is uh, the uh, record company that I really, really I, I enjoyed working with them so much. I look forward to doing more stuff with them. Uh, Cahoon's the album's coming out the weekend before Memorial Day weekend. They're doing a little promotion work. So our boy Cahoon's who directed it, uh, myself who wrote and uh, was a part of it, and then uh, my father who uh, drank six Smittix. Audience participation. (laughs) (laughs) Audience participation supervisor. That's your credit There you go. But that bad boy's coming out soon, man. We really look forward to uh, sharing that with you. I I think that's going to um, uh, help me be able to start getting more and more tour dates that you guys want me to come through places. Like I know uh, um, Tyler Prysock wants to know when I'm coming down to New Orleans or Alabama or anything like that. I can't wait to be out there. I want to do the Midwest. I'm, I'm coastal right now. Okay. I get to do Florida. I get to do all my uh, New York, New Jersey stuff, a little Pennsylvania action. But I think this might be the thing that helps to justify. And by the way, if you guys go to a comedy club and you want to just an innocent way to help me, it never hurts for them to hear my name getting mentioned by, oh, you, you guys should bring in KP Burke from American Loser. And maybe, just maybe, <laughs> we drag old Lawrence Patrick and the Kahuna out there for one of these shows and we live podcast afterwards. I'm just saying, fellas. I'm just saying. There you go. Yeah. But if we can, we have one thing we want to request from you guys. Continue to support the show in any way you can. And if your name is Tecumseh, please stop killing our presidents. <laughs> We're very sorry. Right. It was a long time ago. None of us had anything to do with it. Apologies to your brother as well. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, for slaughtering your name. But folks, thank you so much for uh, enjoying this uh, episode here with us. We hope you enjoyed it, I should say. But that was the Curse of Tippecanoe, American Loser. An American Loser the day I was born. American loser the day I was born An American loser the day I was born